Hi, my name is Atmik Trinabosk, and this is Arnav Rostoki. And together we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly in week seven of the NFL season. With that said, let's get right into it. Yeah, let's start off episode 57 on a high note, and let's talk about these Bengals, man, and the new kids on the block, the number one team in the AFC. Um, who would have thought that Zach Taylor, this, the same guy who led a, I believe, 1-15, and 2-14 Bengals team, is now sitting pretty at 5-2, and two. and, you know, for, you know, you can give the credit to, you know, better than expected O-line play, better than expected defense. Uh, but you got to talk about the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Because, hey, Jamar Chase said at the beginning of the season that he was going to break every record, every rookie record that there was. And damn it, he's on pace to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, dude, when I see this, dude, I, I see a young OBJ, man, just – after the catch, how explosive he is, just how good he has he's is at route running. You know, every time he runs a slant, I see that flashback to OBJ running that slant, getting separation. That that's the type of guy he's become just day one in the league, stepping right into this offense. And what's just mind-boggling for me is just the depth of this offense, right? Got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. Now at tight end, CJ Uzama, Joe Mixon. Samaje Piran, like there's just so many weapons on this offense that you can't really take anything away. Like if you, if you, if you want to double Jamar Chase, there's so many other guys that the Bengals can go to. Like it's, there's just, it's pick your poison with the Bengals. If you want to defend them. Yeah. On that OBJ note, let's hope the uh, off the field antics don't uh, become Jamar Chase's niche. Uh, But I, I will say this, you know, Joe Burrow, like, you know, off the top of your head, these aren't like brand name receivers. Like, you know, you don't think of a great receiver. You don't think of T Higgins or uh, Auden Tate, right? Or CJ Uzmanzoa. But Joe Burrow really like elevates his receivers. Like he puts them in positions to make a play and score a touchdown, right? The deep ball, you see this time and time again with CJ Uzmanzoa and Jamar Chase. He puts his receivers in positions to take that ball 70, 60 yards to the house and turn it into seven. And that's what I really love about Joe Burrow. And that's why I think that Burrow, as of now, he's playing better than veteran quarterbacks like Dak and Kirk Cousins. And he's a top five quarterback in the NFL right now. There's no debate over that. The way that he has taken this Bengals team from worst to first, incredible. Yeah, and, you know, when you say he's playing better than Dak and Kirk, it's, it's not to say that Dak and Kirk are playing poorly. It's just how well Joe Burrow is playing. And I don't think it's a surprise, really. Like, this is what he's been capable of coming out of college. Like, we just knew he had it. And now just putting him in positions to succeed, the offensive line, the, the scheme is working out. You know, he's not taking those kind of hits this year. And I just think that, give it some time. This dude's going to be in the MVP conversation soon. Like I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that this season he's going to be the MVP, but he's that kind of caliber of quarterback. Savic with the early 2023 MVP call right here. 2023. I'm going to go 2022 on that. I might, I might. Yeah. So the Bengals right now, 
they're going to have a few tests upcoming. They obviously have the Chargers uh, coming to town in a few weeks. But really, the schedule honestly looks pretty manageable, right? You have the Jets, uh, a banged-up Browns team. You go to Las Vegas. You get a inconsistent Steelers team, an inconsistent 49ers team, an inconsistent Broncos. Like, there's a lot of winnable games when I'm going down the Bengals' uh, schedule. And, you know, mentally, I've had to re-rate the Bengals because, like, you know, when I think Bengals, I just think back to, like, 2-14, and 14. I think back to, you know, you know, this is going to be a winnable game for the Broncos or the Chargers or whatever. But now I've had to like mentally re-rate and, you know, be like, you know, the Bengals are a premier team and they're no just cakewalk. It is going to be a tough test where you're going to have to bring your A game. Otherwise, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Zach Taylor, and everyone is going to leave you in the dust. So it's going to be exciting to see what the future holds for this Bengals team. They're one of the bright spots of week seven. And, Let's see if they can hold on to that number one spot in the AFC. Yeah. And one thing I just wanted to say with the Bengals, right, the offense is rolling right now after this Baltimore game. But I do remember um, in that game, you know, um, the Bengals were up 10 points, an opportunity to put another touchdown on the board, really put it away. And Joe Burrow kind of got aggressive. He threw a bad ball up into the end zone. He got picked, could have allowed Baltimore to come back. And those are the kind of things you want to be really careful of, right? If you're, Joe Burrow, this, this young quarterback. And of, of course, right, this one pick isn't the end of the world, but just that mentality of knowing when to take, take those risks and when to not do that. And I'm, saying, I'm not saying that he has an issue with that or anything. It's just one thing I want to point out. But looking at the Bengals' schedule, like the Baltimore win is really their marquee win. But, you know, they were in a close one with the Jaguars. They lost to the Bears. So we don't want to overreact to this win, but the potential is there. I think that's the point we got to make. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, moving on to, I guess you want to call it the bad of the week, um, that Monday night game. Um, and I'll, I'll give credit to both defenses, especially the Saints defense and DeMario Davis, because I think he established himself as the best linebacker in the NFL. It was a great defensive showing by both teams. Um, but the bat I really want to focus on here is the anemic offenses on both sides. And I, I guess we can start with the Saints here. You know, on paper, great. Jameis, 19 for 35, 222, and a touchdown. Alvin Kamara, 10 receptions for 128 yards. You don't see that out of a running back. Um, but nonetheless, an amazing performance from Kamara. Uh but one thing that stood out to me is Jameis Winston is now the most inaccurate quarterback in terms of overthrows or underthrows in the NFL. And that it's, it, and it doesn't help when your receivers are Marquez Calloway and Trey Kwan Smith and n- nothing against them, but like you'd much rather have Deontay Johnson and Michael Thomas, right? trade for a receiver before the deadline, uh, uh, like an Allen Robinson, right? But Jameis has got to be better. Otherwise, this Saints team, the Saints offense in particular, is going to struggle. You know, we're going to talk about this Bucks game that they have this week. They have the Cowboys upcoming. They got the Bills. They got the Titans. Jameis is going to have to be better than this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the other side, the flip side, the Seahawks offense, right? Um, 
I, I picked the Seahawks as my upset of the week. And when I was talking about this game, I was, I was saying, yeah, the Seahawks defense would have a good game. They would give Jameis a tough time. And I said, the offense would be able to put up maybe 24, 27 points, and that would be a win. The defense did their part, but the offense did not do their part. And uh, aside from an 80-plus yard DK Metcalf touchdown, Seattle did basically nothing on offense. And I don't, I don't want to say that – I don't want to say Geno is holding them back because he is making some plays. He's, he's proven that he knows how to run this offense. But at the end of the game, like it hasn't come at, worked out in their favor. Yeah, in that two-minute drill, two, two big sacks – you got into like a fourth and 30 situation. It's not, it's, it's impossible to make that work. But at the end of the day, right, 10 points does not cut it for Seattle. And say what you will. If Russell Wilson was playing, I don't think they scored 10 points. I mean, yeah, this is, I mean, this is what, three straight games now? Three straight games now where he it's come down to like the final minutes of the game or fourth quarter. Um, that's what's going to decide the game. And Geno Smith has not shown up. And I, I guess the Seattle team, they, they're just waiting for Russell Wilson to come back now. I guess easy game against the Jaguars next week. And then you got to buy and then get the Packers. So the Seahawks team is just itching for Russell Wilson to come back because you know, Geno Smith has played great at times. He's shown command of the offense, but he's just not been able to finish games properly. It's the difference between guys like Geno Smith and Russell Wilson. It's why Russell Wilson is a starter, top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and Geno Smith's a backup. And let, let's switch gears here to the ugly of week seven. And needless to say, the Kansas City Chiefs are the ugly of week seven. The principal. Where's All the right. principal at, Savik? Well, we got to say about that. Yeah, I said this last episode. I've got to stand by it, right? If the Chiefs played poorly against the Titans, I'm going to put this principal to rest for the rest of the season. And, and that's what I'm going to do. And what that means, really, what, what I'm trying to say is for the rest of the season, I can't bring up the principal and say, I'm picking the chiefs because it's my principal. Like it's just, there's no evidence to back that up anymore. You know, they're Owen four in really meaningful games this year. Haven't shown the ability to, I, I guess they won the Browns game, but my point being, right. This is not the chiefs team where I can just come out and say, Oh, they have Andy Reid, They have Travis Kelsey. They have Tyree kill. Come on. We can't pick against them. Yeah. You can start picking against this chiefs team now. And that, that's what they've shown. We gave it the funeral deserved. Um, hey, it's, it's not a funeral. It's a, it's a putting it away. No, we're just storing it away. It's, it, it, it's getting old. We're, we're going to put it away. Sorry. All, all I, all I remember is Sopic like yelling at me after week one, the Browns game. I don't know if we watched the same game after I, I told him, but this, the Chiefs, the Chiefs uh, game plan and system was unsustainable. Um, sorry, that's all I heard. Uh, anyways, uh, I've been saying it for a while that the Chiefs are game plan and their mythology, the way they run their offense and their team is not going to work. Um, I, I will say this. I didn't think it would be this bad to the point where we're even considering the fact that the Chiefs aren't going to make the playoffs. Like, I remember a few episodes back, we're like, do we dare even go there? Um, because we were both mentally, we're like, we're not mentally ready to just say, you know, the Chiefs aren't a playoff team. Because we're both like, you know, this is, this, is, this is a team that we referred to as a dynasty. A team that was going to replace the Patriots in the AFC as this premier team. Andy Reid was going to be that new, amazing head coach. 
Patrick Mahomes was going to be the GOAT behind Brady. Can't think of them like that anymore. And it's no one else's fault but Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and that offense, right? Mm. Turnovers. Turnovers. Completely reckless with the football, right? Interceptions, fumbles. What, what is this now? 17 straight games that they've committed a turnover? 17. And what really has struck me is that the Chiefs know what their weaknesses are. And they understand that going into every game, they can't afford to make these mistakes. And yet they continue to do it and be reckless with the football, turn it over, and bear the consequences. And it's like they don't even learn week after week after week. I mean, I don't know. This, this is a dire situation in Kansas City right now. And I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm disgusted. Yeah, and the other thing, man, you know, you said – there's no one else to blame but Patrick Mahomes in that offense. Well, let's not assign. I mean, I mean, there are there are areas to blame. What I'm trying to say is that like the one place where you can like say you know they need to do a lot better is that offense because we know that the defense has holes and there's not much you can do about that. Like this, like middle of the season, right? There's no one you can just oh let me just get this guy from free agency or trade for this guy, plug plug him in, and are we good? Right. There's not much to do there. So that's why I say, like, if there's one thing that needs to be better, that's the offense. Right. And, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. And you brought up that Browns game. And I did say that, right? I wasn't sure if we watched the same game. And I think it's because we didn't watch the same game. I was so in this, you know, realm of, oh, the Chiefs are this amazing team, the principal. And I think I just had this unconscious bias that, oh, yeah, the Chiefs, they're going to be fine. But, at this point, right, like, uh, it's just you can't defend that anymore. I was wrong about this Chiefs team. And it kind of draws back to the, the, the season the Patriots kind of fell apart. And the craziest thing is, you know, that, that year the Patriots did fall apart. They were 12-4, and four, and we still had this sick feeling about, you know, what happened. But needless to say, right, like, going into that Titans-Patriots um, wildcard game, I'm not sure who you had winning in that one, but I picked the Patriots and there was just no way in my mind that they were going to lose that game. But there were signs that pointed towards the Patriots not being the same team. And I just didn't pick up on those signs. And I'm, I'm trying to rectify my mistakes if you will, here, trying to pick up on the signs here with the Chiefs. But, um, you know, I, you know, just off this, right, that prolific passing offense, right? Mentally, it made this image of the Chiefs that, you know, it doesn't matter how many points they're down, what is going on with their defense, what is going on with their run game. Patrick Mahomes is going to drop back, roll out of the pocket, and find Tyreek Hill for a 50-yard touchdown. Or they can go 70 yards anytime they want, any down, any play, any point in the game. This prolific passing attack, in my opinion, masqueraded people from the actual problems of the Chiefs. And now that that prolific passing attack is no longer there, cover two takes away. Um, now that those big chunk plays aren't there, now that they actually have to say, you know, let's run the ball zone, zone read to the right. Let's run the ball up the middle and play action, stay in the pocket. Now that they have to like create this comprehensive game plan, where it's, they have to set up these plays and they have to develop a strong run game. They can't do that. Why? Because the run game wasn't there. But what 
hid that poor run game, that amazing passing attack. The defense. Everyone knew the defense wasn't exceptional, but we overlooked it because we were always like, you know, offense wins these games nowadays. And it doesn't matter how many points the defense lets up because we know Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to match it point for point. Now what happens when, you know, instead of going down and scoring on nearly every drive, you're forced into more punts than points, right? That defense is going to break. It was able to bend, but for only how long? Right. Now it's broken. So I guess we're masqueraded really from the Chiefs' problems. I don't, I don't think they're just popped up this season. I'm saying that they have been there. It's just that we haven't been able to see it because of that passing attack. Now that passing attack is gone, the problems show up. Right. And when we talk about the passing attack being gone, right, I think it's just getting into these third down situations, trying to make too much happen. And I think something that might not be really emphasized but is a big deal is turnovers really make a difference in the game. And I know that's easy. Yeah, okay, turnovers make a difference in the game. But a punt is so much better than an interception that it's kind of hard to think about that, right? Punts are characterized as, ah, this is horrible. But just getting the ball into, you know, the other team's 20-yard line inside of that, giving your defense some field position to work with, you know, give up a couple first downs, still do something. And I saw this firsthand, you know, as an Eagles fan last year. Yeah, we won like three games. But time and time again, I I know the offensive line was bad. I know Carson Wentz had very little to work with. But at the same time, turning the football over made things that much worse. And that's a similar thing here, right? Even even if you don't score touchdowns, you, you kind of try to play the field position game. You do something, right? I just think the time of possession, like like the Chiefs just didn't have really anything to do. Every time they got the ball, it was a turnover. It was incomplete on third down. It was They just got to find a way to put some drives together. It's not like they forgot how to play football. Andy Reid is not an incompetent head coach, even though these defenses are really scheming him up right now. I just think – this is going to be a rough season, but this is this is when we're going to learn what this team really is because this is the first time they're facing that adversity. And if this if this is a team that they've shown they can be, they they better turn it around. Yeah. You know? They they need to because yeah. then we can no longer consider this. So you know this is a dynasty or this is an amazing team that's going to be here for ten years to come. If they're not able to deal with this adversity, then what really are this speaks volumes about what they really are as a team. Right. Um. I'll say this, though, on the punting point. That's an amazing point because you know, I'll point to the Saints game against Washington. Um, if Jameis on third down just throws it up, praying that he's going to get the first down, that's going to turn into an interception. Washington Taylor Heineke are going to have it at maybe the Saints 40. That's going to be points. That's going to be either six points, seven points, or three points. Guaranteed, right? There's no way that the Saints defense, which was just on not 15 minutes ago, now has to come back on the field all tired and go up against Washington's, all the weapons that Washington had. Instead, Jameis throws it away. We gave it to Blake Gilligan, who had five punts inside the five. Five punts inside the opponent's five. And now you think about that. Washington's offense is backed up. The Saints defense, we know that they can stop the run. 
Washington has to punt it. The Saints get favorable field position. They score. And that happened so many times. That's why the Saints were able to win, I believe, 30 to 23, something like that. Punting is so underrated in the league, and punting is so much better than turnovers. If you are able to punt the ball and get and put the opposing team in poor field position, that's that's a win. That, that's a win. There, you know, all these games are series of little wins. Are you able to get the first down? Are you able to back them up inside the five? And the more series of wins you string together, right. the better chance yeah. you have at getting the actual W. Yeah, that, that was an amazing way to put it. Really, you know, my football coach talks about it. It's like, it's not about winning the game ultimately, right? What you got to do is each play, just do your job, execute on each single play, and you just string those good plays together. And that's going to turn into points, which would turn into a win ultimately. And yeah, that was a great way of putting it. All right, well, let's see some, if some of these teams are able to apply the lessons we talk about week eight. Um, starting Thursday night, Packers-Cardinals. I would say this is the Cardinals' biggest test of the year. Um, in the desert, who do you see here? Because, you know, I'll say this right now. Devontae is out, and wide receiver number two, Alan Lazard, is out. So even if this was the biggest test, it, it I mean – like it's going to be hard, honestly, on, I, I don't think this is the, this turns into the game where the Cardinals are out as the last undefeated team in the NFL. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Cardinals here. And if the Packers do win, it's going to be because the Cardinals lay a dud, like an absolute. Yeah. Dud. No. And the, the, the other thing is the Packers just like, I, I don't want to say historically, but just in like the past two, three years, right. Whenever they, really go up against a formidable opponent it's been duds right like i think this is the best team the packers have played all year i don't know they could just come out play a poor game i'm not gonna say that's gonna happen but i'm just not trying to trying to uh fix something that's not broken with the cardinals seven and oh let's move on to eight and this week let's yeah honestly i mean i mean this is this is interesting now that you brought it up but backers I'm looking at the schedule. I would say the, la- the last hard team they played was week one where they got smacked by the Saints, right? Yeah. Looking at this, Detroit, 49ers, Steelers, Bengals, Bears. I, I would say, okay, I would say the Bengals, maybe. Right, they might right. be a hard opponent. Right. Um, but, you know, these are games that the Packers could win. This is nothing like the Cardinals. Now they play the Chiefs. Mm. Um, they got the Rams and the Ravens, the Browns upcoming. So, you know, the Saints, Bengals, yeah, that's fine, but they're nothing like what's about to come up. Yeah. So this Packers team is going to be interesting. This is our first big test. Um, once again, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any way they win this. You know, it was going to be hard as it is to go into the desert and beat Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Now you got to do it without Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard. Who are you going to be throwing to? Because Marcus Batten-Scantling is also injured. Now you're going to be dealing with your wide receiver four, five, and six, plus Robert Tunyon. Yeah. It's going to be a long day for Aaron Rodgers. It's all yeah. set. All right, week eight here, another another pretty good matchup. Bucks going into New Orleans to take on the Saints. As a Saints fan, what do you see here, Arna? You know, look, I'm going to take my fan, my fan out of me right now. I'm going to look at this unbiasedly and say – this is, this is the Bucks game to lose. Um, if the Bucks lose this, it's, it's going to be on them. I don't think the Saints right now 
They're not, they're not 100% healthy. They got some reinforcements, but they're not 100% healthy. And they're looking at this, right? Alvin Kamara went off against the Seahawks. And it is clear that if the offense is going to put up any points, it's going to be through Alvin Kamara, by Alvin Kamara, and for Alvin Kamara. There's no other way it's going to happen. And the Bucs defense is designed to shut that down. Devin White and Levante David are two of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. Alvin Kamara is going to have a difficult day. I would say if he's able to scratch together 100 scrimmage yards, that's, that's a win because it is going to be hard against those linebackers. So what's going to end up happening is Jameis in the offense, those receivers are going to have to show up. And you know my, you know, you know my principle, uh, what have you done for me recently? And the Saints receivers have not done anything for me recently. They uh, dropped passes, uh, poor route running. They can't get separation. Jameis is a lot of the times forced to run out of the pocket, which has my heart in a chokehold because I don't want to see him get hurt. Or he's forced to throw it away. Um, and as, as much as I like punting and as much as Blake Gilligan has shown that he's the best punter in the NFL, I want to put points on the board. And it's just not going to cut it, this, what the Saints offense has done against the Bucs. And, uh, you know, this is, once again, this is the Bucs game to lose. There's, I, I just don't see it unless the Tom Brady comes in and throws a, a, a bunch of picks, fumbles it, and the Saints should take advantage of the opportunity. Right. And not to bring back my principle, but and I guess since the Chiefs are out of it right now, an extension of it would don't be pick, picking against the Bucs. Like, let, let's, let's see this now. Uh, they're the better football team. He missed he miss your principle so much that now you got to apply to this. It's just an extension of the principle. Is that extension. All right. What, yeah, whatever you say. Whatever you say. <laughs> Anyways, point being, I think the Bucks are the better football team. I'm going to pick, pick them here, and I'll leave it at that. All right. You know what time it is. Upset of the week. Um, Sotvik on a three-game skid here, man. Point yeah, three. Yeah. I. To be fair, I think it's a two-game skid mixed in with that. One and three recently. Anyways, my point being three and zero. I started three and zero. We've been one and three since then. Some pretty tough L's. I'm gonna say this. This past back to back week I, weeks, I picked the Seahawks. Just selling at the end of the game. And it can't can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. Um, obviously, I have no authority to say this. Come on, my seventh game streak. <laughs> but no, we we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. Um, uh, I guess I'll go first. Um. And this is another game that we, we, we honestly want to talk about. A huge game in the week. Um, Titans-Colts. And I talked about how I was going to buy low on the Colts. And I think this is the perfect time to show my confidence in this team. I'm going to pick them uh, at home uh, against the Titans. Um, I think this is their game to come out and say, you know, we've been up and down. We have a few injuries. We haven't been 100%. But, like, you know, we've come together as a team and we can perform. And I really want to talk about Michael Pittman Jr., And what a revelation he has been at the wide receiver position. You know, it was always going to be a question mark after T.Y. Hilton. He's been up and down this season, hasn't played like T.Y. Hilton. But the connection between Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman, especially in the deep ball, has really set up uh, the Colts in great positions, especially early in the game and offensive drives. Um, And I think that connection is really what's going to show out against the Titans. I think they're going to have a huge game here. Um, Jonathan Taylor has to show up and this Titans defense doesn't scare me very much. Right. And it's going to be, once again, I, th- I think there's few, few key matchups here offensively, you know, it's going to be Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor versus the defense. 
And defensively, it's going to be Darius Leonard in the linebacker group against Derrick Henry. And they're going to have to, I don't, I don't think they can shut them down, but I think if you limit the big 30 or 40 yard runs, I think you put your team in a pretty good spot to win this game. Yeah. I actually really like this pick. And, you know, part of me wants to pick the Colts as well. I haven't made up my mind yet. I think I'm going to wait probably till Saturday, maybe Sunday morning to make the pick on this one, but I could see it, man. I could see it. I think this is going to be a tough AFC South game. Even their last matchup, I know the Titans did win. They, they were the better team in the football game, but the Colts are that kind of sneaky team. You know, they're, they've been in tough games. We talked about this last episode as well. And if they do win this game, I think that's a statement win for this Colts. Oh, no, for sure. I, lo- I love how at the beginning of the season, I was so like, appalled by the fact that you picked the Colts to like even win the division, even win seven games. And now it's like, I'm the one who's supporting the, the Colts. So we've kind of come on a bit of a character arc here. Yeah. Uh, now with the Colts, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you have to Vic, this week? Uh, trying to improve to five and three here. Yeah. This one, man, no hesitation about it at all. Going right back to the wealth the team. I've picked several times with the upset of the pick upset of the week. I've got Minnesota. <laughs> upsetting the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night at home. I think here we go again with Minnesota, huh? Yeah. Hey, I like this team. This offense can do magic when they, when they're hitting on all cylinders, the defense can just make enough plays to put the offense in good positions. I think the Cowboys, if I'm right, I think both of the, both of these teams are coming off buys, right? So they're going to be rested up, probably had two weeks to p- prepare for this one. But the reason I'm going with the Vikings, ultimately, I like them at home. I think their offense is going to go stride for stride with this Cowboys um, offense. And I think if there just needs to be one stop at the end of the game defensively, I think the Vikings can make that stop in this one. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, once again, the same feeling that you had on the Colts-Titans game, I think I have the same feeling here. Um, I think it's definitely doable for the Vikings. I just disagree with one thing here. I don't think the Vikings can keep stride to stride with the Dak and the Dallas offense. I think it's just going to, it's just too, when I'm comparing Dallas's defense to Minnesota's defense and I'm like, who can create more stops? I'm going to go with Dallas. Um, And Micah Parsons has been a beast off the edge, off linebacker. Ask him to play nearly every position on that defense. And he's done it excellently. Um, I think he's going to give Kirk Cousins uh, a bit of trouble. And I, I just think when it comes to making stops or forcing that turnover, Trayvon Diggs has been a turnover machine this year. I think the Cowboys get that timely turnover. And I just think, you know, it, it, at that point, it's going to just be out of Minnesota's hands. And I think Dallas's offense, they're too dynamic. They're just too dynamic for Minnesota. You know, you know, it's a little risky picking Kirk in a prime time game. But here's what I will yeah. say, right? I'm thinking back to that. I know, I know week one's a long time ago, but just, you know, Bucks offense, the receivers they had putting the Dallas Cowboys secondary on its heels. Again, right, the Vikings aren't necessarily the Bucks offensively, but I, I feel good about the Vikings. Vikings no, no, Justin game. Jefferson and Adam Thielen will give you some trouble. Yeah. A lot more than some trouble. They're going to give you a lot of trouble. Right. Um, I just don't know. Like, but once again, the Bucks offense and the, the, the Vikings offense and their teams in general. Very, very different. So I don't know how comparable those right. two are in terms of how the game played out. But 
I get once again, primetime game. If Kirk shows out, honestly, it might be competitive. I mean, the, the, the Packers might have to watch it because now I guess, you know, six and one, we, we, we both have them losing to the Cardinals. They're going to be six and two. Vikings are going to be four and three, right? They're going to be right on their quota. And, and they play two times now in, in the next few weeks. Yeah. Do you think that they can pose a challenge? I think they can. You know, I, I'm going to say, yeah, yeah. I think they can. I definitely think they can. They'll give the Packers a run for their money. New, the new Bears? Well, I never – okay, Topic. to be fair, I never had I, ha, I never had that one. I said the Bears could be good, but I never did say they would – okay, whatever. whatever. I'm, I guess I'm – Uh-huh, yeah, all right. Okay, but – okay, but I – my Bears thing was more contingent on Justin Fields just balling out. That hasn't happened. But Kirk has balled out, so I'll, I'll give I'll give that to him. All right. With that being said, thank you for listening to the 57th episode of the Backfield Rift. Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to recap all the week eight action and look ahead to another enticing week nine. Until then, it's been Arnav Rastogi and Satvik Srinivas. Stay safe and take care.